0: Uh, we've we've been kind of walking through this this thing, and we're going to continue to walk through it. This this idea of maturity, this uh, spiritually mature person that we are called to grow up into, right? And we've talked a lot about how it's not an overnight thing. It is a journey. It is a a plan for your life, and you know that's one of the the things. You know, we we have no idea how long we're given, and. It's, so it's important to live today for Jesus. You know where you're at, um, what Scripture says for for where you're at, and and take those steps. You know we're gonna we're gonna dig into next steps uh, later on as uh, summer approaches. and <clears throat> We're gonna talk about some of that. But uh, uh, this this the step that I'm supposed to be taking. And again, it doesn't mean you wait till summer to take any steps. But we're gonna really dig into some next steps and the idea of that. So, um, I was, I was reading in, first uh, Samuel, uh, this week. It's my book I've been studying and, and uh, Samuel has uh, gone to anoint King Saul and, you know, Saul actually goes out looking for some lost donkeys and he ends up, um, with Samuel and they have this interaction and, and, uh, There's this there's this verse and it's it's first Samuel 10 9, and it says, When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. God gave him another heart. And you know, one of the neat things about us in the new covenant is we're given this Holy Spirit, right? And we are able to become a new creation and a new creation again that through obedience, through knowledge of Jesus Christ. And through um, and through, just the practice of disciplines, which falls into both of those other two things—obedience and knowledge of Jesus Christ—we're going to grow. We're going to mature. It's inevitable, right? You have to grow up. It, it reminds me so much of parenting, right? <clears throat> because you're almost forced to grow up. I guess you can choose not to, and I've I've definitely ran into some parents that that you know decided not to. Uh, but for the most part, man, everybody I've ever met. Uh, is doing the best they can, uh, no one's getting it all right, but they're growing up and they're maturing because they realize they're responsible for another human being, right? And and again, you know, there are people out there that could never have children and there, that, that doesn't mean there aren't children in your life and it doesn't mean, like, we're, there's responsibilities out there uh, that we're over. We take on jobs where we're responsible for things. And so it kind of forces us to grow up, right? And I remember in high school, you know, at one point I had four jobs. I was working as a gas station attendant and we had the gas station and then we had the tire thing. And we still, we had one pump that was still the old fashioned thing, right? It was full service, man. And, and you pulled up and man that, that's, that makes me feel really old by the way. But you pulled up and it was, we checked your oil, we cleaned your windshield, we pumped your gas. And uh, and you know you didn't have to get out of your car like I'd I'd run your credit card in and swipe it or we'd do cash or whatever you know you never had to get out so uh, that forced me to grow up right I was I was dealing with the public and had to do some things and and then when you got on the tire side like I was working in the shop and like you know yours, those those are important people's tires are important and like taking care of them and so. Uh, I've worked on the farm and like the, you know, responsibility of the animals and the feed for the animals and then the medical side for the animals and like I was, I got to be involved in all that. I was working for a, a caterer um, at the time too. And uh, she did all the cooking. She just needed somebody to do the heavy lifting. And so I, you know, we had to use the glass plates and everything. So it'd be crates of glass plates and all this stuff. So I'd carry stuff, you know, in and out of the vans and, and help her out. And then during the event, I would serve I'd go around and serve like a waiter. I'd go clear tables and bring people <clears throat> their drinks and stuff, and and uh, and then I also worked at Pizza Hut, you know. And I uh, made pizzas. I attempted to to waiter one time that didn't go very well. If you don't know that story, I'll tell you another time. But uh, you know, again, all these all these things kind of forced me uh, to grow up. And then there's the, you know the next level. I, I got married, um, and was forced to grow up some because I, you know, here was another person I'm living with and like there's two adult opinions here going on and how do we work through this, you know? And then we had kids and that's another forced to grow up and, um, and even taking on this, this role right here, um, uh, uh, it's different, you know? And so that's my life, right? Yours looks different, but that there are chapters in your life. There are moments in your life that have hopefully led to you maturing, right, and and so our spiritual journey is no different. And God, if we've accepted Jesus and done the things He said, is has made His home inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've been—we're a new creature, right? We're a new creation. And uh, David cried, cried out in Psalm fifty-one ten, "Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a renew a spirit within me." Uh, I love that verse, you know, and and it just. Goes along the same thread, like we're being we're being newly created, um, and the in the passage I've been pulling from is Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is a new is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Second Corinthians five seventeen. So, so we're on this journey, right? And and I, I do want to highlight just some phases that we go through on a spiritual journey. Obviously, there's the, the the dead phase, right? We didn't know Jesus, or we didn't have Jesus in our life, or uh, we haven't come to know Him personally, and so there's there's that phase, right? Your your spiritual life just doesn't exist, and so tons you know the world, tons of people are in that uh, boat, and you know the characterizations of that are pretty pretty simple, right? They they don't know Jesus. There's a lot of uh, uh, assumed things about God or God theories, um, but there's real no concrete stuff there. I I have run into these people from time to time, and I've had conversations with them, and you know I, I'm always like, hey, you know if you've if you've actually sought after God and you've actually obeyed what the Scripture said, and you still can look me in the eye and tell me there's not a God, I've not met that person, you know, um, because. God is experiential too. Like there's an experience side of this, that we experience him, we experience his presence, but it's when we're in communion with him, right? When we are seeking him, when we are um, desiring to know him, uh, that I really think that's when the, the response is there. Now, I do also think that God is, is out there. He's everywhere, right? Right. Um, he's in all things. He's the creator. Everything was created by him and through him, referencing Jesus and God, Jesus, Holy Spirit together. And, you know, he's, he's in everything. He's in the DNA of the world, right? And so God's out there and it says that creation cries out to, to his existence. And so we, we know that he's there. We know that he's He's a part of what's going on. And so if if someone wants to find out the truth, they will. If you seek, you'll find. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So, you know, some some things you might hear a person who's dead say, they might say something like, I don't don't believe there's a God, right? And uh, the Bible is a bunch of myths. God's just a crutch for people who, who don't know any better or need something. Um, I'm not a Christian because religion religion's responsible for most of the wars in the world. You know, they've heard these things. There are many ways to get to God. There's no hell because God is a God of love. I've been a good person, so I'll be okay, right? There's no absolute right or wrong. And I'll take my chances with the man upstairs. You know, those might be some phrases uh you hear so that that's that's what it means to be dead so when we've we've encountered jesus we've made a decision you know we we start off as a spiritual infant so before we get into infancy and and the progression stages i, w- I just want to share a couple of things because following jesus means things got to change right and we've been given a spirit to help those things change uh, and so change happens in our mind, right? We, we have to change the way we think. Thank God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he helps us do that. In fact, to, to understand the things of God, it absolutely, without question, has to be channeled through the Holy Spirit, right? I don't even think we can, we can get from Scripture what it's intended to mean without that power in us. Okay, you're, you're gonna, we're going to mess it up. And if we're not relying on that power for understanding, we're going we're gonna to mess it up. Uh, it involves a heart change, Right? Um, and that's that's part of what we're digging into today in this in this maturing process or our mind changes our heart changes and how we feel about things is going to change um we we turn from a you're gonna hear me say this at the end a lot because it really is a selfish to uh outward servant self to servant um it, it's kind of the transition that uh that happens and in that there there's a there's a hand level change right and there's uh, we, it's action, it's putting what we believe into practice, and back to what my opening little monologue, like that's how you mature, right, you you take on bigger responsibilities, you see things in a different light, and it, it's going to help us uh, grow up. John, the, the Baptist man, his attitude is one of my favorite verses, John three thirty, 30, uh, he must increase, but I must decrease, and so it's this element of we want to to people to see less of us and more of him, right? So we got this infancy stage. Uh, John 3, 3 says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So we got this idea of rebirth, where we're born again. We, we have, where this new creature, 1 Peter 2, 2 says, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that, it, that by it you may grow up into salvation. And so uh, we have this stage, right, that we go through, of spiritual infancy, and and so some of the things you might hear a spiritual infants infant say is, "Why do I need to go to church regularly? It doesn't matter. You know, I've been hurt by a lot of people, so it's just going to be me and God. I, I remember, I remember saying that one, right? I mean, it, like I I said those words. I don't need anyone else, just me and Jesus. Uh, if I pray and read my Bible, it's good enough. I provide for my family. I don't have time for church." What should I do about my old friends who don't believe? You know, the, the questions start to rise because you realize something's happened in you. And I don't I don't believe the Bible even said that, you know. So sometimes the truths are tough and and as an infant we don't want to hear some some of the truths that are in Scripture. And I know that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and people deal with karma. I hear karma come up in conversations. I, I mean I do, I hear it, and this idea of of karma does god let dead people such as my grandma visit us so spiritual stuff begins to the the spiritual questions are there because you've made a spiritual decision and so then you don't understand uh you know an infant's not going to understand like what is and isn't going to happen and what's okay and what's not okay and so like we just know we've made a spiritual decision we start thinking about the spiritual life and maybe we think things like hey you know could a loved one you know we go through this because we don't we don't understand, right? When I think back to my kids and when they were babies, there, there was a lot of confusion right, about life and how the world worked. And we've tried to teach them and they've learned and grown and they have more understanding. And uh, it's it's neat to watch, right? It's neat to watch. And so we have this infancy stage and all of us have been there. All of us have been there. Uh, No one is exempt, and it doesn't matter your age, your education. None of that matters. So then as we uh, transition, we we go to a child, right? Um, My son Caden is a child right now. He's a child. He's growing into a young man, but right now he's he's a child. He, He loves to play. He loves to do those kinds of things. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12, You are a witness, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers, for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So we do this, right? As our, as our kids grow up and they move on from infancy to a child, we encourage them. We love them. We walk beside them. We teach them things. We want them to grow. But the epitome of a child is self-centeredness. There's no question about it. Everybody's done it. Um, the epitome of a child is me. Like I, I want my way. I've seen my kids struggle with this. They, they want to give and they want to serve sometimes, but um, at the end of the day, they really want what they want, right? And we uh, that runs into adulthood. We, we, we experience the same thing as adults, and uh, they just don't have a lot of experience in life. And they think of things everything's in black and white, and you know, uh, just just a the simplicity there. And sometimes they're overconfident. Sometimes they're underconfident. Uh, they just go through this struggle. So some things you might hear a spiritual child say is, I believe in Jesus and my church is in the woods. You know, I'm, I'm just going to go spend time with Jesus in the woods, just him and me. Um, you're involved in a small group and you don't want to see it break up. And, and not for reasons you don't want to see it break up. Man, you love the people in the small group, right? It's understandable. It's, this isn't a question of, like, my kids are going to grow up one day and they're no longer going to live in my house right, right, it's the same principle, it's, hey, we're growing up, like, we need to expand this family, we need to include others, it's going to grow, like, I think about my Christmas, there's 28 of us, there'll be 29 of us this, this year, and that wasn't, that wouldn't have been possible if everyone just stayed, right, they had to get out, they had to go, um, sometimes, like, who are these new people to come to our church, our church is going to get too big, um, and that's a real struggle. I've, and I've I've had that those thoughts. I've had those conversations with people. Uh, I love my small group, but I don't want to add any people. Uh, my small group's not taking care of me like they should. They're not taking care of my needs. I don't I don't have anyone spending enough time with me. I didn't like the music today. If only they did it like fill in the blank. I'm not being fed in my church, so I'm I'm going to go to a church that meets my needs. Uh, look. I'm not beating anybody up this morning. Those are just reality statements, right? And honestly, I think we probably all walk through them at some point. Maybe you're there right now, and you're like, man, Jeff's a jerk. Like, why is he saying those things? Because <laughs> they're real statements that people make, and they're real struggles that people go through, and it's a, a phase of our spiritual maturing that we all go through, a child phase. You're not exempt from it. I'm not exempt from it but the thing is we don't need to stay in it okay and it's not that there's not even some some justification in some of these statements but as we grow and mature and see the bigger picture that's going on i hope we move through them and pass them because of the truth that is in scripture so then we move on to a a spiritual adult right um we and, and here's where a big shift happens, right? And you just think about your life and growing up as a child and like shifting to adulthood and taking on responsibilities and getting bills and having to, to, to go to higher level education stuff or take on a trade or, you know, something along those lines. In First John 2, 12 through 13, it says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him, who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. We know, right? When we, we become adults. We know the doubts start to fade away and we begin to be others focused. That's such a key transition. Others focus. It's not that you don't have a favorite kind of music, right? It's just, I'm going to become others focused. And again, from a church standpoint, I want to minister to people where they are. Like, so, like, I know the music has been a hot topic in, in faith over the over the decades, man. It's been, it's probably always been an issue. M- music's powerful, right? And I want you to be able to come in here and worship and connect with God. Man, I want that for everyone. Um, and so, as we, like, kind of navigate those waters, that that's it. We, we want that for everyone. So whatever your style or, like, Hey, man, I really connect. Amazing Grace, man. We sing Amazing Grace, the old hymn. Like, oh, man, there's just something in my spirit that moves. And someone else is going to be like, hey, when we sing Cornerstone, uh, the video I put up last week, man, that song, oh, my goodness, man, it just does something to my soul. Uh, I have a funny one. The The score from Titanic, the, the, the orchestra version of that, just the music, man, I don't know what it is like that. That music is just so powerful to me. Um, and uh, so we all have a musical style uh, that we connect with. And so uh, I, some things you might hear a spiritual adult say is, I love my group, but there are others who need a group like this. What can I do about it? I think I can lead a group with a little help. I have three friends I've been witness to, and this group's too big for them. So I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start something up. Look how many people were at church today. Isn't that awesome? I had to walk two blocks to my parking spot in the rain today. I mean, would you be happy about that, you know? I don't know if I'd be happy about that. Um, look, Rainy and Rachel group, and I, I'm going to call and see if they're okay today. Uh, their kids had the flu, so maybe our group can make some make some meals for them this week. In my devotions, I came across something I, I had some questions about, and I, I made some notes and wrote down some questions. And I, I noticed that we don't, we don't have an, a, a senior's uh, visiting team. I think I could get involved in that. You know, we begin to look outward, and it changes from the self-centered thing to how can I serve? And it's a big, big transition, just as in life, it is a big transition. And then, and then we arrive at spiritual parent. And this is kind of the like, hey, I've made it. But in my opinion, there's also this grandparenting phase, uh, but uh, we won't get into that today. Um, I, I may have something special for that. Um, but uh, the spiritual parent, uh, Hebrews 6.1 says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Ephesians 4.13.16. I think this has been in every sermon i preached over the last month, but it says, Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, so that it builds itself up in love. So a spiritual parent, right? Again, equating it to life. I'm responsible for other human beings and I've taken that responsible seriously. So in the spiritual world, as someone has, has made a decision to follow Christ and are you witnessing to them, you know, because they haven't made a decision or there's someone who's made that decision and they've grown a little bit, but they're still, they still need help, right? They still need help. Caden can do a ton of things on his own, but there's things he still needs help with, right? We were riding the, the zero turn the other day, and he ran into a post. And he ran into a post because I hadn't taught him how to turn, it wasn't his fault, it was mine. And so I explained to him how the zero turn turns on the back axle, not not from the front, really. So you have to clear things with the back axle or get them lined up before you make the turn, um, because or even go past because you'll turn into them if you turn real sharp, and so, i taught him that he's not going to forget that lesson because he hit the post right (laughs) he made a mistake but it wasn't his fault it was mine and so i taught him that and so we're going to work on it next time we're on the on the lawnmower so i'm going to help him mature in his ability to use machinery and the same thing in our spiritual life like as we bring on this parenting role we really begin to look to the needs of others and we don't just address them verbally we come alongside them and teach. So you might hear a parent say things like, "Hey, there's a guy at work that asked asked me to explain the Bible to him. Please pray for me. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna step into this. I'm not you know, not feeling super comfortable. Please pray for me. We get to baptize someone from our small group tonight, and uh, I, I want to know when the next, you know, classes that are could they could they sit down with me and and one of the elders or the you know the pastor and and uh, figure out what's next for them." Uh, Our small group's going on a mission trip and I've given each person a different responsibility. You know, you begin to lead things. I realize discipleship happens at home too, not just at church. Will you hold me accountable? I want to disciple my kids. I want to disciple my spouse. I have a person in my small group who's passionate about children. Can we have a meeting and uh, just figure out if we can get them plugged in somewhere? A parent will begin to take on Uh, these other responsibilities and so I I wanna I wanna I wanna just stop there today like really I've given you a ton of information some of you may even be mad at me because I, I hit a nerve I'm not trying to upset anyone but the reality is we're all in different places and there's nothing wrong with being in any of these places not any of them but there is something wrong with not moving through them right There's something wrong with sitting still. There's something wrong with accepting the fact that you're a spiritual infant or a spiritual child or a spiritual young adult and not wanting to take the next steps. There's something wrong with that because scripture has absolutely called us to maturity without question. So this morning, I'm going to my my action step for you. The thing I want you to do, we put these little connection cards in the bulletin and uh, they get perforated. Is that the right word? By hand. Every week. So maybe you do something with them and maybe you don't. But I want to encourage and challenge you in something. Hey, look, whether I preach a good sermon or not, is kind of irrelevant. I promise you, I'll always have scripture in it. So if nothing else, just write down the scripture on there and go home and talk about it. Go home and talk about it. Right? That, that's a step you can take towards maturity. It is absolutely a step you can take towards maturity. But I'll tell you what, it does. Is when you begin to talk about the scripture and the people around you hear you, what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to look at your life. Are you living it? And you're going to realize, am I doing this or not? And it's going to cause you to change some things. It has for me. I, I remember stepping into youth ministry for the first time, and I was a mess. I'm still a mess. But I was a mess and I remember preaching on things and I'm like, man, how do I have the right to stand up here and talk about this? I'm struggling with this, you know, and it, and it dawned on me and it became very apparent that I needed to grow up in some things. So don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid that you're not this, you know, epic spiritual hero. Right. But do be willing to change. Do be willing to be transformed by the spirit, the renewing of your mind, this heart you've been giving by taking the responsibility of doing something. So we got these little connection cards and on the back of them are sermon notes, or if you use the connection card to let us know something, then, then, you know, bring a piece of paper and jot down some notes and then go home and talk about it with your family. Talk about scripture. Maybe that's something that doesn't happen in your house yet and it needs to. Okay, it needs to. Ask your kids about Jesus. Ask your spouse about Jesus. What's going on in your life? Let's get the dialogue going. And those are some moves toward maturity.